0: But this is week four of our series and the conclusion of our series called Blessed, Living in the Blessing of Abraham. Turn around and ask somebody, find somebody close to you, ask them, say, are you blessed? And then I want you to answer them back real strong and say, yes, I am. am. Yeah, you are blessed. If you're in Christ, you are blessed. And so let's just jump right on into this and uh, we're going to get into our foundation scripture that's found in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Everything will be on the screen for you. If you'd like to follow along on the website, you can jump online. Uh, the Wi-Fi here in, in the school, we have our own Wi-Fi called Spring Hill Guest. And you can get on there, follow along with my notes, and uh, or you can look at them later on. Uh, but let's get into this. Here, Paul said this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, why did he do that? Verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I'm going to hit on a couple of points just as review. But I really, really encourage you, if you can, go back and uh, check out the previous three messages in this series because there's a lot of material that we have covered. But let's talk about first, since Christ has redeemed us from the curse, let's talk about what the curse is. And the curse came about because of Adam's sin. The curse was released into the earth. And so this curse is this. It's a declaration which dooms someone to failure. Failure in any area of life. The curse, you know, sickness and disease is part of the curse. We'll talk about that in just a second. But what the curse did when it came into the earth is it doomed humanity to failure. Now, three areas in which the curse shows up, and that is this, number one, spiritual death, number two, sickness and disease, and number three, lack in poverty, now, those things are not of God, and they were released into the earth as a result of Adam's sin. You do understand that before Adam sinned, when God created the Garden of Eden, there was no spiritual death. Man walked with God. The Bible says that he and God would, would fellowship with each other in the cool of the day. They would come down and, and uh, walk and talk. And so, so spiritual death, which is separation from God, did not exist. Sickness and disease didn't exist in the earth uh, prior to Adam's sin. Adam didn't know what it meant to be sick. Adam didn't know what it meant to experience disease prior to his fall. And then lastly, poverty and lack. You know, in, in the Garden of Eden, God provided for everything that mankind could possibly need or desire in this life. And so as a result of Adam's sin, Uh, Poverty and lack became a a part of life, a normal part of life. But here's the good news, and that is this. Christ has purchased us, ransomed us, rescued us from the curse of doom, destruction, and failure. Thank you for that one amen. I'm going to say this one more time. Christ has purchased us, ransomed us, and rescued us From the curse of doom, destruction, and failure. Now, the scripture teaches us that you have to receive this and you have to make the decision that you desire to walk in this. And we'll talk on how you enter into this in just a second. But Jesus has made this available to every human being, every man, woman, boy, and girl, for for all of us to be able to walk in. Now, let's look at Galatians 3.14, and I want to read it in the Passion Translation. It really uh, explores it a little bit deeper. It says, Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place, and in so doing, dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. That's you and me. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit Who lives within us when we believe in Him. So, because of Adam's sin, when we were born into the earth, we were born into sin and we were born under the curse. But Jesus, some 2,000 years ago, when He died on the cross and shed His blood on our behalf, He redeemed and rescued us and purchased us out of that curse. And so what he did is he postured us so that we could walk in something called the blessing. So let's find out what is the blessing. Here's the definition of the blessing. The blessing is a declaration which empowers someone to succeed and prosper. Now, religion doesn't like for you to hear this kind of teaching, but it is the word of God. And it is what God did for us in Christ. So God set you free. He lifted the curse off of you and allowed you to be able to wear and to put on and to carry this thing called the blessing, which empowers you to prosper and be successful. Now, did I say every one of us are going to be millionaires or billionaires? No, I didn't say that. That the blessing is much more than money. Amen. The blessing encompasses every area of your life. You know, what is the value of a whole lot of money when you have, you know, a sickness and disease destroying your life? What is the value of a whole lot of money when, you know, we, we can't maintain good relationships and walk in the love of God? It's meaningless. So what God's blessing does is it empowers us to succeed and prosper in every area of of life. Here's a, a way that I found, it, found, in, and I really like the way that it summarizes it. And it says this, the blessing means that things that used to work against you now work for you. And I like that. You remember under the curse, uh, when Adam sinned, the Lord told him, he said, now because of what you did, and my paraphrasing obviously, but what you did, uh, you cause the earth to now have to work against you. In other words, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to produce uh, crops. You're, you know, you're going to have to fight the thorns and the thistles and weeds and all this type of thing. Next time you're out in your little garden, whether you have a vegetable garden or a flower garden and you experience some weeds popping up, just understand that's part of the curse. So get you some, uh, um, what's that spray called? round up, and curse them in Jesus' name. Amen? (laughs) Or pluck them up, whatever you want to do. But anyway, that was not part of what was in the garden. So as we wrap this series up today, I want to just answer a huge question. And uh, if you're writing things down, taking notes, I want you to begin here, and that is this. Let's answer the question, why did God put the blessing on us? Why did he pay such a huge price For us to be free from the curse so that we could live and we could walk in the blessing. Well, here's number one. Write this down, please. And it has been God's plan from the beginning. God did this because it's been his plan from the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. So what we were going to do, let's go back and let's look at a couple of scriptures in Genesis that tell us what God's intention was. Now, one thing you need to understand about God is that he doesn't change his mind. He has the best thought the first time. You and I, <laughs> we change our minds because we think of better stuff later on. You know, God has never had a new idea. He's never thought something and then said, you know what? I never thought about that before. He's God. He, he's all knowing. And so when he says something and when he does something, he establishes that principle throughout eternity. So let's look at what God did. Let's look at Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28, familiar scripture. And it says this, then God said, now this is when in the beginning, God had created everything in the the heavens and the earth. And then he, he is at a place where he's ready to create his man. So he says this, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. By the way, have you ever noticed that he said, let us make man and let them. See, in the man, when he created the man, them was included. Because it was never God's will for it just to be the man. We'll talk more about that in a little while. So let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And I can't resist... To use the old preacher joke, aren't you glad we've been given dominion over creeps? Okay. Uh, Thank you for that one uh, courtesy laugh. All right. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Look at verse 28. Now here's what we're getting to. Then God blessed them. Now you remember what we said. He blessed them. A blessing is an empowerment which causes someone to prosper and be successful. So God, when he created man, put on man a supernatural empowerment which enables the man to be able to prosper and be successful. So he blessed them and said to them, by the way, you can't have a blessing without words being attached to it because words are are what carry forth the declaration, okay? And so when God said, then God blessed them, God said to them, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Now I want us just stop right here and I want to say this. Those few words, be fruitful and multiply, have been God's heart for humanity since this moment. And his heart has never changed. God's blessing still is about causing humanity, causing people to be fruitful and multiply. He goes on to say, to fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God said, I, I'm going to make man. Let's make man and... I'm going to bless them. I'm going to cause them to be fruitful and and multiply. So I want you to understand this. It is still the will of God for you to be fruitful and multiply. Say this. Say, it is God's will for me to be fruitful and multiply. In Christ, I can do that. All right. So now, later on, let's fast forward a few chapters. And so there was something that happened in the earth called the flood. Anybody remember Noah and the flood? Well, after the flood ended and Noah and his family, the the ark landed where it did. And Noah and his family came out of the ark. God reestablished his plan in the earth once again. And he said in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, see if this sounds familiar, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now here was God's plan. I, I want to say something to you just for a moment, a little side, side journey, a little rabbit trail here. Have you ever thought about this? God created the entire earth, but he only put plants and, and everything within the garden. And then put man in his garden. Why didn't God make the whole earth the garden? Because he wanted his man to do that. He wanted his man to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and replenish the earth. In other words, he wanted Adam to be able to go about and using the words of his mouth to expand the Garden of Eden throughout the entire planet. Now, of course, we know that didn't happen because of Adam's sin. And so what you have is now it is the will of God through Christ and what Jesus did for us, for us to be fruitful and multiply and get this and to carry out God's will in the earth. And here it is our responsibility to expand the Garden of Eden in the sense of to expand the kingdom of God in the earth. Amen? All right, so that is the first reason is because it has been God's plan from the very beginning. Now, as we have established in this series, we said that the blessing of Abraham, as said in, in uh, Galatians chapter 3 13 and 14, can be defined real precise by looking at Deuteronomy chapter 28. So let's look at Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2, and it says this, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to carefully observe all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. Now here's what I want you to see. The doorway into walking in the blessing. We talked about this in previous lessons, but it bears repetition. And that is this, the doorway to walking in the blessing of God upon your life, it can be summed up in one word, and that is obedience. When we choose to obey God's word, when God tells us that we, uh, we have a commandment, that says, love one another as I have loved you. When you make the decision, you know what? God said for me to love people, so I am going to obey that and I'm going to love people. When you make that decision, you have now opened the door for the blessing of God to become active in your life. Can I say it to you this way? Not to insult your intelligence, but when we disobey, we close the door on the blessing from becoming active in our lives. Okay? So, how many of you know, and not to treat you like children's church, but how many of you know it's better to obey? Okay? It's better to obey God. So, now it shall come to pass, verse 1 again, if you diligently, notice diligently, not halfwayly, diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to carefully observe all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth, and verse two, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, we're not gonna take time to read the entire chapter. We did that in previous lessons, but I want us to drop down to verse 10 because there's some things in verse 10 that clarify why God postured us and positioned us in Christ to be able to walk in and live in the blessing. So let's look at Deuteronomy 28 verses 9 and 10. It says this, The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he's sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Now, we're going to clarify what that means, but here's the second reason that God put the blessing on us. All right, number two, write this down, please. He did it so we will be a holy people for God. Notice again, he said in verse 9, I will establish you, as a holy people to myself. All right, so what does that mean? We will be a holy people before God or a holy people for God. Well, let's look at a couple of definitions in, uh, from the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was written in Hebrew uh, to begin with, and then the New Testament written in Greek. But the word establish in the Hebrew means this, raised up to become a powerful People To bring them on the scene. So God said, I will establish you. I'm going to raise you up to become a powerful people, he said. And then he said, as a holy people to myself or to himself. The word holy simply means set apart, consecrated, purified, and protected from ruin. I like that. Holiness in the Bible means this, that you are set apart, that you are consecrated, purified, protected from ruin. Now, through Christ, and we don't have time to look at New Testament scriptures on that particular word, but through Christ, the scripture says that you are a holy people. We're gonna look at one verse in just a second, but I want you to understand that you are not going to be holy. You already are holy. Now, we confuse holiness and sanctification. Holiness is what you are. Sanctified is what you're becoming. All right, do you get that? Okay, because here, here, see, there's some people that want you to live a holy life, and they equate that with perfection. Okay, I've got news for you. This side of heaven, you're not going to be perfect. I am, but you want, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding, all right? But here's what I want you to see, okay? And that is this, don't confuse perfection with holiness. You can live, now sanctification means that your life is becoming more and more clean as you walk with God, and it's a process. As a born-again believer, it's a process. How many of you know that, That when you gave your heart to Christ and you got saved and you were born again, that sometimes you think, you think, you thought some of the same thoughts after you were saved that you did before you were saved. Some of us, myself included, might have let some words slip out after you were born again that you used before you were born again. Okay? Now, thank God I don't do that now because sanctification has been working. And through the Word of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, my life is becoming more and more pure all the time. But here's what I want you to see. You are already holy. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, you look good, you holy thing, you. <laughs> all right? So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 9, it says this, but you are, now this is a, a New Testament scripture that corresponds with the reason for the blessing. You are a chosen people. Say this, say, God chose me. Matter of fact, Ephesians 1 says, He chose you before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah, before you were ever born. Before you were a gleam in your mama and daddy's eye, God knew who you were and he already chose you before the foundation of the world. God wants you. Hallelujah. So he said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I love what the NIV says. It says God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a special possession to your heavenly Father. You mean something to him. Hallelujah. And I'm so grateful for that. So God did, he, he put the blessing on us, so because that's been his plan from the beginning. And then the second reason is so that he could establish us as a holy people to himself. In other words, we are set apart, consecrated, purified, and protected from ruin for himself. Amen? All right, let's go on and let's look at the third reason. And this is is a good one right here. All right, here's number three. Write this down. God put the blessing on us so people will see that you are called by God. So that people will see that you are called by God. I'm going to say it one more time. So that people will see that you are called by God. You know what? I'm a firm believer that if we are living in the blessing, we're walking with God, just like Jesus bought and paid for us to be able to walk with him, you're not going to have to give out business cards that say you are a Christian. You're not going to have to really tell anybody that there's something about you. I believe people will be able to see that you are called by God. Now, let's think about this. The blessing is a supernatural empowerment. It is not tangible in the sense of I can feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it, all right, and see it, all right? But what God is saying is that if we will allow the blessing to work in our lives, it will produce results that are able to be seen and experienced in this natural realm. Now, that's exciting to me. All right. So people will see that you are called by God. So what is it that they will see? Well, there is a man, anybody ever heard of the old preacher from the 1800s called Charles Spurgeon? Anybody ever heard of Spurgeon? Okay, great preacher, uh, won many, many, many people to Christ. Well, at the church that he was based in, there was a man who was there a 100 years before Spurgeon was there, whose name was John Gill, G-I-L-L. And Mr. Gill wrote a, an exposition on the Bible, commentary on the Bible, and I want you to hear what his commentary is on Deuteronomy 28. It said, he said this, they, the people, will see we are called his children, his people, his portion, and his inheritance, that they are his and he is theirs, how? How? By the care he takes of them, the provision he makes for them, and the protection they have found in him. That pretty much sums it up. People will be able to see the blessing on us by the care that God takes of us, the provision that he makes for us, and the protection that he puts around us. There are going to be some marks about us that make us different. Now, I want to go back to an Old Testament story that's found in Genesis 26. By the way, we're looking at a ton of scriptures today, and I didn't have the space on your handout to put them all. So if there's none there, just write the reference down, and you can go back and check it out later, okay, if, if I didn't put the reference down. But in Genesis 26, this is the story of Isaac. And Isaac has gone down and... Um, he is separated from his father. His father is is dead now, Abraham. And so Isaac is living his life. And so it says this, one day King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuzath, and also Phicol, his army commander. Verse 27, why have you come here? Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. Earlier on, uh, Abimelech, King Abimelech had run Isaac and his whole family off of his land, okay? Verse 28, and they replied, look at what they said. We can plainly see that the Lord is with you. Now, God is not visible to the natural eye. So how can these people see that God was with Isaac? by the way, those three things, by the way he cared for him, provided for him, and protected him. And it says, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you, so we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Let's make a deal so that you and your God won't do any harm to us. Because it's obvious, can I paraphrase this? It's obvious you have something on you that's working for you, And we don't want that thing to backfire on us. And so he says, verse 29, swear that you will not harm us just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look, look how the Lord has blessed you. Can I say this to you? I believe, all right, and and, and let's bring it down to a, a minuscule level right now, a personal level rather. I believe that when you and I live and walk in the blessing of God that is upon our lives through what Christ did for us, that there ought to be some earmarks about us that get people's attention without you having to put a bunch of bumper stickers on your car without you having to wear fish symbols all over the place and and doing things, nothing wrong with those things if you want to do that, but there needs to be some, see the problem that the world has had is we've been wearing our crosses, our fish symbols and putting bumper stickers on our car without the blessing working for us and all we are is to them is a bunch of mean people that don't like them. Come on, all right? And I believe what God's blessing will do in our lives will put something in our lives that is tangible and visible that people will be able to see. Now get this, just like with Abimelech, so they will want what we have. Okay? And so we, we've got to change our thinking a little bit. See, they will see that we are prospering, enlarging, increasing, and walking in the abundance of God in every realm of life. Now, let me just park right here and put, it, put in pause for just a second and say this. Just because you're walking in the blessing of Abraham does not mean you're exempt from problems. But what it does mean is when problems happen, the blessing causes things to work for you so that God can bring you out of the problems that you're facing. So I don't want anybody to leave here today and say, well, you know, Pastor Brad said that if I'm walking into blessing, then my life's going to be like just, you know, walking through clouds all the time and the birds are singing and I just smell the flowers. And every time I wake up, I'm just happy. And no, because I I promise you, there's going to be days when you wake up, you're not going to feel happy. The birds aren't going to be singing and you're gonna wish that you had a different life. All right? But don't let that phase you. Just get up and say, you know what? The blessing of God is working in my life. And in Jesus' name, I am going to have a good day today. Amen? All right, so let's look at Deuteronomy 28:10. And this, the. The New Living kind of clarifies, summarizes this point just a little bit. It says this, then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. God chose you, he he selected you and he claimed you. You know, I recently went out of town and uh, it was the first time in oh, several years that I had flown. And, uh, you know, flying is, is a little bit different. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't flown lately, I'll let you in on a little secret. The days of having empty seats on an airplane are gone. All right. They load you in like cattle. You're going to be there. And, you know, used to be you could end up maybe with a row all to yourself and you could kind of stretch out. Uh-uh, not anymore. All right. And so if you understand something that how many of you have ever traveled, you've flown and you had a suitcase that would not fit in the overhead bin and you had to do what? Check it. Now, please, a little, little public service announcement here. If your suitcase is too big to fit in the overhead bin, do not try and force it into the overhead bin I am amazed at what people try and cram in that overhead bin. I'm like, sweetheart, just they said they would check it at the door for free. Check it. But some people don't. Anyway, that that's, I'm sorry, that's just a little uh, little pet peeve of mine, all right? Okay, so, oh, and by the way, unless you're flying, Uh, you know, they got like three or four classes and it's not first class and regular people anymore. It's now first class, selective seating and all this other kind of stuff. And by the time where my ticket gets on, all the overhead bin is full. (laughs) So, okay, but anyway, that's a little side note. note. And I'm not bitter about it at all. No, Uh uh-uh, not at all. But here's my point. When you check your bag and you arrive at your destination and you go to the place where they have that little conveyor belt, and and your bag comes through, what do you do when you find your bag? You claim it. Why? Because it belongs to you. Hopefully you put a little tag or something on it that says, got your name on it, and says that this bag belongs to Brad Mullins, all right? And so I know and you know I'm 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 a little another little side note, okay? I'm I'm tickled at what people will put on bags to help them recognize their own bags. Cuz you know a lot of suitcases look alike and people will put big ribbons on their suitcases and all kinds of stuff just so they can recognize it. I'm like, "Don't you know your own suitcase?" Anyway, are you afraid you're going to get home and go, "Oh my gosh, I got somebody else's bag." All right. But anyway, So you claim what belongs to you. Here's the point of that whole story. And this verse is this. God chose you. He put his name on you. And he has claimed you as his own. All right. So you belong to God. Now, he goes on to say, and they will stand in awe of you. Now, before you and I have an opportunity to Uh, become a little big-headed because we think people are going to be in awe of us. Let's look at point number four, and that is this. People will be astonished and respect us, not because of us, but because of God. Okay? People will be in awe and respect you because of God. Now, um, see, they will see in us God and it causes a reaction in them and when they realize who is with you who is in you who is upon you and what you wear in the blessing they will have respect for you. Can I be real honest? I was thinking about this while I was preparing my message the other day. Um, Do you know why the Middle Eastern nations hate Israel the way, not all of them, but a large portion of them despise Israel the way that they do because they're afraid of them. You know why? Because they know something about them. They don't know it's God per se. But listen, you need to study your history a little bit, particularly history of Israel since they became a a state in 1948 And look at some of the battles and the wars that have happened where Israel, just as a little example, Israel had the country that we know was all divided up prior to 1967. And in 1967, there was what was called the Six-Day War where Jordan, Egypt, and Syria all came against Israel. And and I'm going to just cut right to the quick Israel whooped their tails with God's help and got all the way, the land that they took back went all the way from what we know as Israel today, the Sinai Peninsula, all the way to the Nile River and all the way north to Lebanon. There were stories. Now you need, this is where you got to do a little digging, but there are stories where it was clear that there was supernatural help that showed up for the Jews on the battlefield that caused the Arabs to become afraid of them. And they would see things and it would cause them to lay down their weapons and surrender to the Israelis because of the supernatural things that they saw. Things like, you know, Israel would come out for a tank battle And they would bring a small number of tanks, but the enemy wouldn't see just the little handful of tanks. What they would see, it sounded just like a story from the Old Testament. They would see this great horde of tanks coming at them, and it would overwhelm them, and they would surrender. So, what am I saying to you? When you let God get on you and get involved in your life... People won't necessarily be afraid of you in the sense that they're scared of you, but they will respect you. Not because they're concerned about harming you, they're concerned about offending the one who is with you. Amen? All right, look at Deuteronomy 28, 10 in the Message Bible, and it says, All the peoples on earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. See, I think one of the reasons, well, let me just say it to you this way. It kind of cut to the quick. Um, If you're thinking that as we get close to the end of time and the Lord's return and all of that, that we believers are going to politely just kind of sneak out of here and people are one day going to go, no, Where are those Christians? Where did they go? You know, if you think that's the way it's going to happen, I've got news for you. Nope. The Bible clearly says in Ephesians chapter 5 that God Christ will be coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. Can I say it to you this way? It's going to be exactly like it was when the Hebrews were invited to leave Egypt. You do understand that's what happened, all right? They were invited to leave. In other words, because of the influence and the power of God that I believe the church is going to be functioning in, in the last days, the last of the last days, the world is going to be glad to see us leave because we're putting all kinds of pressure on them. Amen? Well, that's, that's free. That won't cost you anything. All right, so in the plains, I want to read something to you. This is, and I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, and let me describe what this is before I tell you what it is. There are a group of Jewish rabbis who got together and put together a commentary on the Old Testament. It's called the Humash. And it is a rabbinical commentary on the Old Testament. And you can go online and you can look at it. But I want to read what the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, said about Deuteronomy 28.10. Look at this. In the plain sense of this verse, it will be natural for nations to feel reverence for a people that is such an obvious recipient of God's blessings, for this divine bounty will testify to the name that they bear upon themselves. Each nation will have its God or set of beliefs, but all nations will come to realize that only God is the source of all strength and blessing, even of the powers that they ascribe to their gods. If so, the nation that is intimately associated with God will inspire the awe of all the others. I believe we're getting ready to step into that. And the more we as believers in Jesus Christ find out what the Word says and who we are in Christ, we're going to see a full manifestation of this. Now let me give you another Old Testament example. 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. And this is when the Queen of Sheba came down, or went up rather, to to check out Solomon and his kingdom. The Queen of Sheba uh, was a very wealthy queen from the Ethiopian area. And she, she had heard about Solomon, heard about his wisdom, heard about how God had moved in his life and how God was blessing his kingdom there. And it says in verse three, when the queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. And so she was blown away by what she saw God doing for Solomon. Now, I love the fact that it comments on this. It says that that she was overwhelmed at the organization of his officials. You know, Can I say this to you, and and I don't have any body in mind or whatever, and I'm talking to myself as well. We need to manage our lives in such a way, and I'm talking about naturally and spiritually, but we need to manage our lives in such a way where people are overwhelmed by how the Spirit of God helps us to keep our lives organized. Okay, uh, I'll talk to these folks up here. Instead of us all the time having to apologize because our lives are so jacked up. well, yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, all right. So let's look at Isaiah 61 verse nine. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples and all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Amen? All right, let's move on. Number five, I can tell the enthusiasm is just so full in this room. Number five, here we go. We are blessed. God put the blessing of Abraham on us so that we can be a blessing to others. The blessing is is not primarily about you. Now, your life will be impacted by it, Your life will be increased by it. Your life will be better because of it. But it's really not about you and me. Look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. This is when uh, God had his conversation initially with Abraham. And look what he said. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says this, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished And you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. That's the whole motivation. That's God's whole desire is so that you and I will be a channel through which the blessing can flow into the lives of other people. Because you know why? A person that's really walking with God, that's really walking with Jesus, and Jesus is having a huge impact in your life and people can see and observe these things in the natural, you are not going to be able to take credit for it yourself. If somebody says, man, how is your life the way that it is? I watch you at work all the time, and you know, you have difficulties, you have challenges, but there's something about you. You never seem disturbed by them. You always have a calm peace and assurance about you. What is it? And you'll be able to say, it's because... God is active in my life and I have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ and he has put something on my life that makes a difference. See, this has got to be better than, how are you today? I'm blessed. Nothing wrong with saying that, but you got to have something to back that up. After 25 years of saying I'm blessed, you, you need to have something that backs that up. I'm blessed and highly favored. Like one person said, I'm blessed and highly flavored. Okay? No, you need to have something that backs that up. All right? So here, we said this during our previous series, and that is this. Our motivation for accumulation is distribution. I want to be rich. Not so I can be rich in and of myself, but so that I have plenty that I can use to meet the needs of other people, that I can be a blessing to other people. I can see people's lives changed and become better, and then I can give the credit to Jesus and point them to him. Let me show you some scriptures as we wrap this up. Zechariah chapter eight and verse 13 says this, and this is a prophecy. This is when the remnant went back and they were beginning to rebuild Jerusalem. And it says this: Among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer. I like that. You know, for a long time, the church seemed like we were a cursed nation. Talking about the church as a whole, but but I'm glad the Spirit of God is saying, "But no longer. Now I will rescue you, and I will make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid." Be strong and get on with rebuilding the temple. Hallelujah. Let's look at Psalm 37, verse 21. It says this, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Say that. Say, I am a generous giver. Now, can I say this? You need to be generous to your church, obviously, but you need to be generous outside the church. Why don't you just kind of, can I say this? All right. Instead of tipping your server at the restaurant, the, m- m- the minimum that you possibly can, why don't you go the maximum of what you possibly can and see the difference that it makes. Matter of fact, I saw this the other day. And I don't think I've told you all about this. I saw this the other day where there is somebody and I don't know who the couple was, but God had blessed them and they went in a place like Target or Walmart and they had hundred dollar bills that they had folded up and they would go to the baby department and the cans of formula that were there, they'd open up the plastic lid, slide one of those hundred dollar bills in there and do that on several cans. Just so some you know, and it might not have been a needy, needful mother, but somebody could go and, and, and not even suspect what's going on, get home, and later on open up that can of formula and there's a $100 bill there. That's fun. Especially when you're not there to toot your own heart and get the glory for it. Psalm 37, verses 25 and 26, I was young And now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. We quote that verse a lot. Verse 26, though, says this. There are always, they are always generous and lend freely and their children will be a blessing. You need to be confessing that over your children. My children are a blessing. Everywhere they go, they're a blessing. I am blessed and they are blessed and they are a blessing. Here's Proverbs 11 Verse 25 in the the complete Jewish Bible, it says this The person who blesses others will prosper. He who satisfies others will be satisfied himself. You know, Mick Jagger had a song out with the Rolling Stones many years ago called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Could it be, Mick, you ain't getting no satisfaction because you're not satisfying anybody else? Just saying. I don't have nothing against the stones. I'm just saying. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8 in the New Living. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You know, there's this thing in human nature that says, you know what, pastor, I want to give, but if, I, if I'm obedient, see, we're scared, we're scared that if we obey God, he's going to tell us to give it all away and we ain't going to have nothing. Okay, that's like the old prayer where you don't want to pray and and commit yourself to the will of God because you're afraid he's going to send you to Africa to be a missionary. All right, we do that where giving is concerned. No, just make up your mind. Lord, I'm going to obey you whether I'm at church, whether I'm at the restaurant, whether I'm at the store. If you tell me to be generous, I will be generous because my confidence is in you and you are my source and my supply. Amen. Amen. Let's wrap this up. Last scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You know, God doesn't have a problem with you enjoying life. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. In verse 19, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. I'm going to make this one last comment, then we're going to pray. When you allow the blessing of God to flow through you, And you are a blessing to other people. You've heard me say it before that generosity never leaves your life. You're making an investment into your future so that God can open doors of plenty for you. Amen? Did you get anything out of this today? So now you know why God put the blessing on you. Say this after me say, I am blessed. I cannot be cursed. The blessing of God is on me. The blessing of Abraham is on me. I tell you what, I pulled something up and I want us to say it. Bear bear with me one second here. Say this after me. We are led and delivered from destruction and walk in divine protection. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us, we condemn. For this is the heritage of the Lord, and our righteousness is of him. We are led, directed, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's make it more personal. I hear the voice of the good shepherd and a stranger's voice I do not follow. I am prospering and increasing every day, me and my children. Because I'm a sower, the hundredfold return is working on my behalf. God is able to make all grace every favor and earthly blessing come to me in abundance so that I may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need I am self-sufficient possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance For every good work and charitable donation. Because I'm an investor, our investments are producing mighty fruit. The Lord commands the blessing upon us in our storehouses and upon all we set our hands to. Our spirits are strong. Our emotions are settled. Our minds are sharp. Our bodies are healed. We are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am like a tree planted by the rivers of water and I bear fruit in my season. My steps are ordered by the Lord And declare the end from the beginning. I'm sorry. And I declare the end from the beginning in Jesus' name. I am blessed. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. the word that we've heard today father I thank you that we do carry the blessing of Abraham upon our lives Lord Jesus thank you for paying the price taking the curse upon yourself and within yourself so that we could be free and Lord I thank you in Jesus name that we as believers we are walking free of the curse that we're living free As born again believers from spiritual death, we live free from sickness and disease and we live free from poverty and lack. And Father, we're experiencing every aspect of your blessing in our lives, all because of what Jesus has done for us. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of your mercy and your grace, you sent him to pay the price for us. I'm so grateful for that. Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that the revelation of what we have talked about over the last few weeks would become so real on the inside of us that that light and that insight would burn. And Father, that it would become so real to us that you are our God, you are our provider, you're our covenant partner, that you have done everything you can do to change our lives, to cause our lives to come in line with your will, plan, and purpose. And I thank you for it. Now, Lord Jesus, if there happens to be someone here under the sound of my voice that maybe has not surrendered their life to you, given their heart to you, or maybe somebody that needs to recommit their life to you, I pray that you would draw them right now by your Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, I don't pretend to know where everybody's heart is. Only you know those things, God. And so, Lord, we just ask you right now to move in each and every heart that's here today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here and I might have described you, I I pretty much know everybody that's here, but I don't like to make assumptions. If you're here today and you either need to give your heart to Christ for the first time or you need to recommit your life to the Lord, I want to ask you to do something I want to ask you to just say a simple prayer with me. I want to pray with you. And I believe that when you do that and you open your heart to him, that the scripture tells us that that when we do those things, that we'll be saved, we'll be born again, and we'll enter into a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you need to recommit your life to the Lord, here's what I believe will happen. As we pray this prayer, the blood of Christ is going to cleanse you from all sin and all unrighteousness and you'll be clean and once again holy before the sight of a holy God. So just say this simple prayer after me. Everybody, please pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I believe with all my heart that you died for me and I believe with all my heart that you were raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me of my sin and cleanse me and give me a brand new beginning. Jesus, I confess you are Lord, Lord of my life. Now fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for it and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.